Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. I'm glad I didn't have to transition that service. You know, it's, it's almost impossible, you know, to go from one part of what God's doing to the next part of what God wants to continually do. You know, let's never take the presence of God for granted, guys. We could have just went through the motions. God didn't show them. Say, all right, let's get to the message. Let's go to lunch. Right? That there's no, that there's no presence, that there's no power of God showing up among us. Um, I'm thankful for it. One thing about God's presence, there can be one touch from him that radically changes the course of your destiny. You say, well, pastor, I thought that's what preaching does. You know, I collaborate with what the Spirit of God wants to do. And and we make room. You know, that's something we have to do to be a relevant, um, applicable, um, growing, thriving church. You know, if we just want to have church as normal, this is the wrong church for you. It's going to tell you that because we're always going to yield to what the Spirit of God wants to do. Oh. So thank you so much for being here this morning. We are in week two of our emotional series. Look to your left, look to your right, ask that person. You got emotional issues? If so, this is the place to be. <laughs> this is the place to be this morning. And um, I, I believe that today's topic, we're going to look at uh, the concept of fear. Now, last week we talked about anxiety. If you didn't get it, there's the podcast. You can go back to the Facebook Live and watch all of that. Um, but some of you may or may not have said, well, I've dealt, I have or haven't dealt with anxiety, but I tell you what, every single one of us have dealt with fear at one moment in our life and we've either handled it really, really well or very, very poorly. And if you say, well, pastor, I hadn't had any fearful moments, brace yourself because I believe that the closer we get to the coming of Jesus, that there's going to be more opportunity for fear and our emotions to get the best of us if we make sure that our spirit is not founded and established on God. Amen. You know, that's one of the things that in, in the course of this message is going to be the framework is where do we place our faith? Where do we place our trust? When we place our trust and our faith in the right things, we realize that Fear happens less often. Doesn't mean that there are not fearful moments, but our fear of utter destruction or not knowing what the outcome is um, can sometimes overwhelm us. So this morning, I want to look at four responses to fear. We're going to look at some of the psychological side of it, and then we'll get into the scriptural side of it, because we can't talk about emotions without talking about the psychological side, but we don't want to just deal with the psychological side. We want to deal with the spiritual side this morning also, because that's what God wants. He created us uh, as uh, physical, emotional beings, but he also created us as, as spiritual beings. So four responses to fear. These are automatic responses. You don't know what's going to happen until you are in a fearful moment. So the first response that can happen is fight. If you've ever had somebody jump out and scare you, like if they really scare me, they might get punched. You know, like really scare me. If not, it's kind of like whatever. But like if if I'm throwing a fist at you, (laughs) that's called the flight or the fight response, right? You know, you immediately respond and you want to fight off. You want to perceive, you perceive that there's danger. So you try to fight off the threat. So that's fight. The second one is flight. That's getting out of Dodge. That's running the other way. How many of you are, are flight people? 
Say, oh, I don't want nothing to do with that. And you run the other direction. So your brain perceives that it cannot successfully fight off the danger. So it tries to escape, triggering the flight response. Then how many of you deal with this one? Freeze. You know, you, free, you freeze in the moment of fear. So freezing, uh, it's response to just do that. It, you freeze. It's trying to be still and quiet until the danger passes. Um, sometimes this will invoke the inability to talk or to move. If you've ever been frozen with fear, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and the last one, this was a new one for me, but it's called fawn. So fear response is that your brain tries to please whoever or whatever is triggering the fear in response to prevent them from causing harm. You know, oh, you know, don't hurt me, da 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 you know, throw the stake to the lion. I don't know what it looks like, but, you know, just there, there's, there's this attempt to try to, to de-escalate the situation. So these responses, they're natural and they're immediate, but we need the power of God working in our lives to reduce stress, anxiety, and fear from compounding in our lives. So we know when there's fear, when there's stress, when there's anxiety, when all of these things compound, something's going to happen. It's going gonna, it's gonna to come out of us in a certain way. So we look at the responses, but let's look really quick this morning at the triggers. So these triggers of fear come in a variety of different situations. Maybe it's afraid of failure. You ever done that? Well, I can't, I can't fail if I don't try. I don't know if that was your method or how you tried to get through it, but you know, fear of failure, of not anning up, of not becoming um, what you, what you want to be. The future. How many of you know that can be a fearful thing? The unknown, what's, what's coming tomorrow, what's coming next week, that fear factor of not knowing what's happening. Not achieving success. Sometimes we can put so much pressure on ourselves to succeed in something that we actually put ourselves in that fear category and we don't do anything because we've, we've set that bar so high. What about rejection? What about intimacy? What about conflict? Right? How, many of you, how many of you get to fear real quick in conflict? Man, y'all, some of y'all lying. Y'all real calm this morning, right? You have a conflict and all of a sudden, hey, fight. We need flighting, right? You know, you get involved. All of these things happen. These are, these are triggers. What else? Um, you know, sometimes it, it's, it's meaningless in life. Sometimes it's sickness. Sometimes it's death. Sometimes it's loneliness. There's so many different factors that can trigger fear. So fear can build in one's mind and create a mindset that paralyzes you even times of absence of real fear. This right here between your ears can cause so much fear in your life that you can be fearful and nothing's wrong. Right? You could right now be having fear and it's like, what are you scared of? Well, you know, I mean, I don't, I mean, it's, it's, it can be anything, but I'll tell you what, right now in this moment, if you're sitting in this seat and you got fear on your life, that is not of God. Okay. There should be nothing to fear or fret in this room. Okay. So if you're on edge, if you're freaking out, this message is for you and God wants to do something with that today. He doesn't want you to leave this place dealing with fear. Okay? He doesn't want to. He doesn't want you to. So living in constant fear is not healthy, and it's not God's plan for your life. This is not the catalyst that God wants to use to grow you stronger and closer to him. He does not want you dealing with fear, but he wants you dealing with faith. He wants you to focus on who he is, not what your situations uh, look like before you. Um, 
So let's look at 2 Timothy 1.7. In the ESV, it says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear or timidity, in, an, in another translation, but of power and love and self-control. Now, that self-control is translated a different, few different ways in different translations. Self-control, self-discipline, sound mind. So I got all of them. If you're a New King James, ESV, NIV, it covers all of them. So it has to deal with how we respond, uh, discipline, our mindset. So the spirit that God gave us does not operate out of a spirit of fear, but in power, love, and self-control. So to overcome fear in our lives, we have to release the Holy Spirit to do what God wants him to do in our lives. That's the only way to deal with it. We can't say, well, I'm just going to get through it. I'm just going to pretend it's not there. I'm going to just change my mind. I'm going to think about something else. How many of you know when you try not to think about something, you can't help but think about it? You know, the pink elephant rule, you heard of that? Picture a pink elephant who walks in the room. He's got big old ears. He's a pink elephant. Okay, now don't think about a pink elephant. Guess what? I don't know what you're going to preach about, Noe, but I know you said something about a pink elephant. <laughs> if, I, if we do a summary next week. What are the two things we talked about? We talked about anxiety and a pink elephant. Come on. Hope it's not sticking that arm. I'm going to quit talking about that pink elephant, Okay. But it seems to stick in our mind. It tends to compound where the thing that we try not to think about, our mind inevitably thinks about it. So we have to remove fear. We have to get beyond just a mindset and sheer willpower. We cannot remove the moments of fear throughout our life, but we can position ourselves in a way that helps rise above the fear. We're going to be exposed to it. We are going to experience fear. But what we do when that fear strikes is going to be up to you and up to I. Galatians 5, 16 through 17, the NIV, it says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another. So we talked a little bit quickly last week about that we have a, a mind, a will, and emotions inside of us, but we're also spirit people, right? We have a spirit also. And we have to see that there is a war raging within us between our, our spirit and our soul. So our spirit is over here. It has the, the thoughts of Christ. It thinks like Christ. It lives and breathes God. And then we have our soul over here, our mind, our will, and our emotions. And these are like a roller coaster ride. They are all over the place. So this morning, if you could see in the spirit, we have the spiritual side of us that is drawing us to, think, to the things of God. But then we have the soulish side of us that actually needs saving and sanctifying that is at tug of war against our spirit. And that passage says what? If I gratify the things of the flesh, I'll, do, I'll what? wallow in the flesh. Or if I gratify the things of the spirit... But guess what? It says they are in conflict, but they actually oppose each other. One is on this side. One is on this side. And, and I can't, if, I, if I'm focusing on one, I can't focus on the other. That is the secret to the success. If I'm looking at the things of the flesh, I'm looking at the things of my, uh, of my soul, I'll never win. So we have the spirit inside of us, we have the soul, and we have the body. So let me, um, let me map it out one more time because I said we have a spirit and we have a soul, but then we have a body. So let me tell you what, if you don't do anything with your soul, it will always side with your body. It's going to be lazy. It's going to be complacent. Oh, I'm just going to sleep in this morning. Ain't got nothing to do. It's lazy. It's dying away. It, it, it is fractured by how it was designed. When we were born, we were born into sin. That is the fallen nature of, of us that we will never get back until Jesus comes back. We can't change the body that is broken. It, and, it's, and it's been actually built to deteriorate, wear out, 
Anybody's knees creaking? Anybody's shoulders ain't working like they used to? Like, you know, all of these things. Lungs ain't pumping like they used to if I take off on a 40-yard dash. Feel like I got a different set of lungs versus high school. But, you know, we see that our bodies, they're, they're wearing out. But we have to realize that we can't yield to the soul. We can't even yield to the body. Now, some, of, some, of, some people take the bait and they say, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That's just what I'm going to do. That's just what I'm going to be. Well, let me tell you what. As long as you gratify the things of the flesh, you will never gratify the things of the spirit. They are at war with each other. Why? That's how God set it up. I don't know. That's what the scripture says. It says one wars against the other. One pulls, the other one pulls. So we have to side with the spirit of God. We have to focus on the things of the spirit, not the things of the flesh. But the biggest problem with fear is that fear births more fear. Ever been there, done that? You ever jumped off something real high and stayed up long enough to psych yourself out? You might have jumped off of it a hundred times. But I remember in Africa, there was this real high cliff. Have you heard the story? Bear with me. You get to hear it again. There was this high cliff. And I remember when I was younger, man, I just jump off that thing. Man, it's a long ways up. Hurts your feet, hurts your knees. Whatever hits first, it hurts. High enough, you can get hurt. So I remember going back a few years later, and now I sized up the rock this time. You know, and it's same rock, same ledge, same distance. But the rock kind of ledges out, so you got, you know, you got you to jump. You can't just safely slide off of it. You got to jump out and up and get over it. Well, I'll tell you what, that time I said, ooh, I'm a little older. You know, I could get hurt. I could slip. I could hit my head. What if I break my bones? I'm in Africa. Like, oh, man, I'm talking about iced up at the top of that rock. And guess what? I got too much pride to walk down. I mean, I'm talking 25, it's up, 25, 30, it's, it's up there. Like, so to climb down is like the wuss move. So I sit up there and I fight my fear for a long time. And you know what you got to do in fear, with fear sometimes? You just got to say, you know what? Shove it down and go. And I jump off and I was like, that's what I was scared of. It was great. And you're like, forget that. I never would have climbed up there. You know, but we deal with that because fear compounds fear. If we keep dealing with fear and we allow fear to idle, it will mess with your mind. It will mess you up. It will destroy your life. It will paralyze you. It will ice you. It'll make you be very beneficial to the kingdom of darkness because that is where fear comes from. That is, who, that is the breeder of fear, right? We have to understand that that does not come from the spirit of God. Okay, so it says that we need to trade our fear for what? Power, love, and self-control. Now, I'll tell you what, that seems like a good deal to me. Anybody want to trade? So we're going to look real quick this morning, three ways to conquer fear. Now, that definition of conquer means to overcome and take control by the use of force. You got to do something. You got to put the work in. You got to exert something. So three ways that we conquer fear. Number one, pray for power. It says, I haven't given you a spirit of fear, but I've given you a spirit of power. So pray for power to overcome whatever we or you are going through, right? It doesn't matter what you're going through, and you may try to justify, well, pastor, you don't understand. That's fine, but God does. His grace is sufficient, but he says that he gives us a spirit of peace, that he gives us a, 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 a spirit of power, not a spirit of fear. Now, the definition of power is the ability to do things by virtue of strength, skill, resources, or authority. So what our faith rests in will determine our fear response. So if I am focused on what I can do or what I can contribute or 
my successfulness for the outcome of something, that's a scary thing. Because I know I'm good at some stuff, but I know I'm very likely to fail. Anybody uh, humble enough to admit that? You know that you will fail. So having confidence in yourself, that is a scary thing. It would be the equivalent of your life being the stock market right now. Man, it's like, man, is it going to come up? Is it, you know, right? We don't know. Guess what? You don't know the outcome of your response. It could be up. It could be down. It could completely tank. But let me tell you what. If we focus on who God is, he is faithful and steadfast, long, long enduring. He says, I am the beginning, the end, the alpha, the omega. I always am and always will be. That's who God is. So we have to change our focus and focus on who he is by his spirit where? Within us. We got to realize that inside is where the spirit of God dwells. He's not far away. He's not far from us. He is actually as near as the next heartbeat. Can you go like that? Can you feel your chest bumping? The spirit of God is that close, right on the inside of us. But what our faith rests in will determine our fear response. So trusting in the Savior, it will take your eyes off of the situation. Power and stability will rest in who God is and the work of His Holy Spirit in, in your life. Psalm 62, 1-2, through 2, it says, Truly my soul finds rest in God. How many need some rest? My salvation comes from Him, not myself. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. I, I hear very little bit about Pastor Noah here. This is all about who God is. He's my rock and he's my salvation. He is my fortress. And guess what? If that wasn't good enough, I will never be shaken. Well, let me tell you what. When I'm fearful, I'm shaken. But when my focus is in who God is, man, I'm at ease. I'm not shaken. I'm not fearful. I'm not fretting. I may not know the outcome, but I don't need to know the outcome because God knows the outcome. My faith is in God, not in myself or in what I can conjure up, but who God is. Amen? How many of you have tried to lead your own life successfully? How'd that go for you? Yeah. And if we were really, really honest, really bad. All the things that you messed up in your life was your own fault. And sometimes God has a hard way of teaching us that we need him. He's going to let you keep doing things on your own until you realize you can't do it and you don't have what it takes. He'll kind of back you into a wall to have to choose him. But you know what? That's what a loving father would do. It's hard to be loved when you don't want to be loved. So he has to condition and position you to respond in a way that draws you to him. But we pray for that power. This is the confidence we believe that my soul finds rest. My salvation comes from him. He is my rock and my salvation and I will not be shaken. Anytime you think that a situation is too big, remember this. The power that is within you. Remember whose who's you are and the power that is inside of you. 1 John 4.4. 4. It says, you dear children are from God and have overcome them. So this was talking about the spirit of the Antichrist, those who kill, steal and destroy, all of these things that were anti-God. Anytime you hear the word Antichrist, that means they Oppose the teachings of Christ, right? So it says uh, that you have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Man, I thank God for that because so, so many times we give so much credit to the, the work of the enemy in the world. Well, you see what the devil's doing, man. He took some ground today. Many of you are one of those people. <laughs> That's because we're looking at what he's doing, but we're not really looking at the magnitude of what God wants to do in and through you. 
He needs us as collaborators, right? He needs us to participate. Now, I don't know what you received this morning, but if you would have stayed in your seat, you might not have got what you got if you came forward. You're like, man, I knew I should have got up. It's always up to us. What do we do or what do we not do? Do we choose? Do we follow? Do we pursue? Do we pray for power? Because I'll tell you what, that power ain't going to come from you. It's not going to come from you. So the battles between the devil and the Holy Spirit, guess what? The Holy Spirit always wins. The Spirit of God always wins. You know, I think there was probably that moment in time when they crucified Jesus where he thought he won. Jesus said, I, nobody takes my life, but I willfully lay it down for those I love. So he said, oh, well, the devil won. No, he laid it down. He chose The devil always loses and he will always be a loser. Okay? Got to get that. The power that raised Christ from the dead is actually within you. So anytime that we we don't think that that power is powerful enough, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of me. Now I need some things resurrected in my life. I need some things to change. And that's only going to come by that resurrection power. Amen? So you got to pray for power to be released in your life. When fear knocks at the door, remember who God is in his nature. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. It says, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. How many of you know you ain't got peace when you got fear? Right? So the author of peace. So when I feel at peace, guess what? I'm operating in the things of the spirit. When I'm living in fear, probably living under the influence of something that is not God-centered. May it be my own abilities. May it be the devil. You know, I think a lot of times we want to blame the devil, but it's just us doing what we want. Living in that carnal nature, being lazy, not wanting to. Well, if God really loved me, wouldn't he? There's a condition for following Christ. As a son or daughter to reap the benefits of the father, you got to be a son or daughter. You realize that? To benefit the benefits of being in his house, you got to come and stay in his house. You ever heard the rule? As long as you live under my household. Guess what? When you remove yourself from the house, you remove yourself from the benefits. And then when he doesn't show up or he doesn't rescue you, why do you get mad? You are the one that removed yourself far from the father. When we stay close to the father, we reap all of his benefits. You know, my kids all the time take my water in my cup. All that's left is ice. I, said, I told those kids, I said, man, long, long time from now, you're going to remember dad always brought the water. They don't worry about water. They don't even worry about being thirsty. They're drinking all my water. But you know, as a father, I can get frustrated or I can find pleasure in giving my kids what they need. Because we know that God says the water that I give you will give you everlasting life. And you will never hunger and thirst again. And his cup is always full and it never runs out. And he willfully gives it to each of you. So know that. Staying close to him. You reap his benefits. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. Just remember, he's not the author of confusion, but of peace. Peace is the power of the Holy Spirit in me, and it calms my fears. The power to overcome fear is within me through the Holy Spirit from God. It's right here inside. Just where that fear is rising up, that spirit can rise up also and, and, and pretty much just throw a bucket of water on that fear. So we pray For power. Number two, what do we do to conquer fear? We pray for love. 
Well, we're just going through this list. We're just saying, hey, I haven't given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, love, and self-control. So we prayed for power. Now we got to pray for love. You're like, Pastor, why in the world I got to pray for love when I'm dealing with fear? <laughs> you ain't thinking about love, really, when we think about it, when we're thinking about fear. But look what this scripture says. I almost didn't want to go there. And then it said in 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love. Ooh, okay. Sorry, Lord. Let's preach love for a little bit. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. That's 1 John 4, 18. So when we know the depths of love that God has for us, it drives out fear. Because I know that, hey, guess what? Daddy God's got it. It's going to be okay. You know, my children never fear because dad is taking care of everything. You know, my kids never get up at night to make sure the door's locked. Sometimes my wife don't either. And I walk up, I'm like, man, all these doors are unlocked. What are we doing? Dad's walking around, locking the doors. Dad's walking around, making sure everything's okay. You know what my kids do? They just go to sleep and they don't have a care in the world. You know why? Because daddy is on guard. He's watching out. He's taking care of everything. Would somebody cause harm? I would escalate the force necessary. I'll leave you to determine what you think that means. Whatever necessary, I would willfully lay down my life. This unconditional love that allows my, my kids to rest in peace of their spirit, to live in peace, not fear. This is the love that, that he's talking about here, love that just drives out this fear. It can't stay there because I know I'm loved, I know I'm protected, I know I'm cared for, right? We see all of this in Scripture. It says fear has to do with punishment, but peace has to deal with who God is. It says perfect love drives out fear. Why, why would that word punishment be there? I think sometimes when we have a misrepresentation of who God is, we worry about God being a punisher. The only thing that God punished was Jesus on the cross. And he punished Jesus, so you know why? So he wouldn't have to punish you and I. He loved him. I don't know if you've ever heard this, but they talk about how Jesus was actually rejected by God for a moment in his death. He looks to heaven and he says, Father, why have you forsaken me? Now look at this story. When he's on that cross, this is the first moment in all eternity where God had to turn his back on Jesus. Man, I'm talking about an emotional moment because he had been in fellowship with who God was. He was close. He was never separated from God's presence, even though he was man on earth. He knew God. He was born of the Spirit, sinless, and he was on that cross. And for that moment, God turned away and he cries from his spirit and says, Father God, why have you forsaken me? But know this today, son and daughter, that God forsook Jesus once so he would never have to turn his back on us. And when he does that, his love drives us to not live in fear. Because he'll lay down his life up to the point of death. But guess what? He's not waiting to do it. He's already done it. So it's complete. All you have to do is rest in that love that God willfully gives. 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says, Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. When you have God in you, you get love also. If you don't love people, <laughs> like they used to say, are you even saved? Right? 
That should be something that changes. There should be compassion for people. There should be love for people. Not so much because you're awesome, but because God loves you. And guess what? When my heart changes, I love the things that God loves. Realize that? To truly know love, you have to know God. There is one fear, you know, in Scripture, and we have to realize this. You know, fear is not a good thing all throughout the Bible. But there is one kind of fear. I want to touch on it just for a moment because I think it is life-changing. And this healthy fear is the fear of the Lord. Now, we don't talk a lot about that in the church because we think God's always good. But, you know, Jesus flipped over tables in the temple and he didn't like it. And, you know, man, almost looked like acting a fool. But yet when God sees something not in order, guess what? He fixes it. Right? There, is, there needs to be this holy, reverent fear. Go back to the Bible when people got struck down dead for disobedience. That's the same God. You know, I, I kind of looking over my shoulder like, man, like, Lord, like, don't strike me down because the same God of the Old Testament is the same God in the New Testament. Why do we feel like, oh, God's got me? And we walk around when God could go, right, kids, right here. That's it. Your life's over. That's it, if God so willed. There has to be this holy, reverent fear of who God is. We have to know who he is. To fear the Lord is to, to reverence, it's to honor, it's to trust, it's to obey. Listen to this, Psalms 111.10. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of wisdom. It doesn't mean the arrival of wisdom. Understanding who God is and putting him in his rightful place is the beginning of wisdom. Because it shows where is God in proportion to where you're at. Anytime there's comparison, you better be flat on your face laying down in comparison. You don't get on the same level. You're not buddy-buddy to God. God is God and you are not. How we worship a king matters. There was a rule all throughout you know, the old days where like your head was always supposed to be lower than the king. It just showed honor and respect. <laughs> you walk in there arrogantly, off with his head. Because disrespect for the king, it's a big deal. You're like, Pastor, you want me to be fearful of God? Kinda. Because I don't want you to be stupid in sin and feel like God doesn't care about that. He cares very much so about it because he knows that sin that gives birth can send you to hell. Most people that fell into this huge sin just didn't decide, you know what, I'm going to fail miserably and I'm going to run headlong into sin. But it was small compromises. It was small compromises not just of the sin tolerance, but the God tolerance of understanding who he was. Because you did not have a, the fear of the Lord in understanding who he is. The more we understand God, the more wisdom we have changes the way we act. Okay, That's a whole other message. I don't want to linger too much on that. Psalms 34.9, it says, The fear of the Lord, uh, fear the Lord, you holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. I'd encourage you, study a little bit on the fear of the Lord. It'll, it will really radically shape your baseline of Christianity. Okay? Um, Luke 12, 4 through 5, it says, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after the body has been killed has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Ooh, pastor, man, I want to go to lunch. Getting all in my business over here, making me feel uncomfortable. I'd rather you fear God now and get right than not fear him now and end up somewhere where you don't want to be later got to realize who God is. He's serious. He loves you. 
Got that? All of this is love. He's disciplining you. He says, God disciplines those he loves. If you don't ever receive any discipline, check your love gauge. Maybe he don't love you. Because it says he disciplines those he loves. Well, God ain't ever whooped me. <laughs> Are you his child? Because I tell you what, I don't go around laying hands on y'all's kids. Lay them on my kids. I love them. I care about them. <laughs> I tell them all the time, I don't care what them kids are doing. I care what you're doing. You're my kid. Right? It's the same way with God. If you've never been disciplined, if you've never been corrected, are you actually a son and daughter? If you are, I'm not here to bust you up, but if you're not, today is it needs to be, you need to make a choice. Today, who will you follow? What will you do? So we pray for power. We pray for love. Number three, we pray for self-control. How many of you need self-control in your life? You know, self-control is a big kicker. It's like I do things that I don't want to do. And then I, you know, it's, it's just, it's just, I see this, this visual of this tug of war of my spirit and my flesh. How many of you live that? One day you're like, Lord, I love you. I'll never forsake you. You're the greatest thing ever. And over here you're dabbling in something dumb. Well, it's that, it's that tug of war. Now, one of the hardest things about Christianity, do you realize passivity is actually going to push you backwards? I wish it pushed me forward. I'd be winning, right? If passivity got me into heaven. But there has to be this proactive movement towards the things of God every single day of my life. I can't shrink back and I can't remain passive and expect to get closer to God. But I have to have self-control. I have to have discipline. I have to have a sound mind. I got to get my mind right. I got to get my heart right. I got to make sure that I'm focusing on those things that are most important to God. But I, I got to deal with the self-control. So freedom in the spirit is to be in control of yourself. It's to, it's to control the actions, what you do. Freedom in Christ is given upon receiving salvation, but continual freedom happens by the work of the spirit in your life. You know, I hope today, if you've been a Christian a long time, that you are freer than you've ever been rather than bound, bounder, wrong word, is that a good word, bounder, more bound, what did you say, more bound, I thought you said more bounder, I was like, I know that ain't right, <laughs> um, but I hope that you're freer than you've ever been, if not, God wants to change that. Right? It's not because God didn't do his part. It's not because God's not collaborating and working. Quit getting woofed up by the flesh and begin to focus on the things of the Spirit. It's just yielding. You know, I think like yielding to the Spirit of God is like just holding on to that rope. Passivity and doing nothing is kind of like letting go of the rope, but the tide's going this way. All you got to do is hold on to that rope, and you know what the Spirit does? The, the, the Spirit actually tows the rope. Just hold on, and he will drag you into righteousness. He will lead you into the goodness of God. All you got to do is hold on and not let go. You ever felt that in your life? Man, Lord, I'm just holding on because I can't walk and I can't stand, but he is faithful in his goodness. 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 7, it says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God uh, gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. So I want you to hear that passage in its entirety. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. It's in us. That is his Holy Spirit inside of us. When the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, he is going to not release a spirit of fear, but he is going to release a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. Okay? So this freedom that comes from the Son by the Spirit. Right? We know in Scripture he says, hey, i got to go back to the Father because I cannot send the Spirit until I go back to God. Jesus was the mediator. He was the, he was the one that forgave sin. 
but he was also the bridge that the Holy Spirit could be released to us. You got that? Jesus was a big deal. He gave us all of those things that God wanted to get to us, but it was the price of Jesus that allowed us to get those things freely. Freedom that comes from the, the Son by the Spirit. John eight thirty six. it says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You're going to be free. You know, those shackles, they get broken off of our lives. If anything, we just kind of put them back on. Right? It's, it's not, once we are free, we're free. You know, it's like the, the, the jail cell is busted wide open and you're still sitting there on the bench like, Woo, what do I do now? Get out of the jail cell. What do you, the, the, the prison doors are open. Get, be set free. You know, I've seen that. Um, you know, I did, tried, to, tried to train a hunting dog. Didn't work out too good. But he learned some stuff. I remember tying him to his leash, and he couldn't break loose. He'd pull, he'd pull, he'd yank. So anytime he had a leash on, you know what he did? He'd look, and he knew, I'm tied up. Well, there was also a moment where I actually untied the leash, and I just laid it down. Well, guess what? He didn't realize he was free. Because some of the things are going to be very familiar in our lives. That's, that's the wages of sin. That's the wages of death. Some things are going to feel very much the same, but yet we don't know that that rope has been untied. Where all we have to do is walk forward and move. Get away from the sin that so easily entangles you. You know what that is. I don't have to preach to you what sin entangles you. You know what it is. But today God's freedom wants to untie that and allow you to move into the things of God. He wants you to be free. He wants you to be in control of self. Right? When you're bound, you're at the mercy of that stake. You're at the mercy of that sin. But when he says, you will be free and free indeed, that means he's untied it, but you're the dummy sitting there by the stake. He wants you to move forward. He says, you will be free indeed. How do you know that you're free? You've stood up and you've walked out of that jail cell. That's how you know. If you stay seated, doesn't mean that you're not free. It just says you hadn't figured it out yet, that you are free. All right? Tell you what, I would choose to trade fear for self-control any single day of my life. It's that Spirit's ability to take over any fear in my life. To be led by the Spirit, not by my fleshly nature. You know, this freedom also includes that shackle of fear in your life. How many of you say, I feel like I deal with fear? Like I'm talking kind of like an unhealthy balance-ish. How many of you have been exposed to fear and you didn't deal with it well? All right. I, I want to challenge you with this passage from Joshua in closing this message this morning. Joshua 1, 7 through 9. If God asks you to do something or he commissions you, he gives you the ability to do it. So as I read this passage, when you hear like the word Joshua, now this was said to Joshua, but I'm saying it to you today. Because I believe that you can apply the same commission and have the same results if you apply what was spoken to Joshua. Joshua 1, 7 through 9, it says, Be strong and very courageous. Not just courageous, very courageous. Be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn to the, to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep the book of the law always on your lips. That means always what? Speak it. Say it. 
Man, stuff's hitting the fan. You don't know. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for your goodness. I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill, but I hope this check don't bounce. I don't know what it takes. Speak it out, the goodness, the faithfulness of God. Lord, I don't know where it's coming from, but Lord, I know you can send it from the north, south, east, and west. So in Jesus' name, I claim it and I receive it, even if I don't have it. That's what faith is. But I got to speak it, because why do I speak it? It says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If I don't say it, I don't believe it. If I don't believe it and I don't say it, I don't get it. And that's a big problem. You're like, I ain't got nothing. That's because you're saying nothing. Open your mouth. Speak it out. Say what you need. Ask the Spirit of God who willfully gives. Man, that's a whole nother message. Y'all lucky I'm going on vacation this week. I'd have been jotting it down. Man, he's got a new message in his bones, all right? But keep going. It says, always on your lips, speak it. It says, meditate it day and night. So we need to speak it. We need to think about it so that you may be careful to do everything that is written it. Then... I love this passage. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Question mark. So then he gave you the exam. He gave you the test. He asked you one more time. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will, will be with you wherever you go. That don't matter. He's here in church. He's in school. He's at your workplace. He's, he's in the darkest valley of your life. He rejected Jesus so he wouldn't have to sever his relationship from you. One of my favorite stories is the story of footprints in the sand. Because the moment I forget and I think, God, where were you? Why did, anybody not heard the story of footprints in the sand? All right, well, I'm going to emotionally tie you in a little bit more. And it's, it's such a powerful story because the story goes where... In parts of the, the, the individual's life, he saw two sets of footprints in the sand. And as the journey of life unraveled, there were moments where there was just one set of footprints. And the individual responded and said, God, why did you, during the most critical, hardest moments of my life, leave me? Because he was looking with natural eyes, not spiritual eyes. He said, you left me, you abandoned me. I only saw one set of footprints in the sand. And that's when he got the revelation. He says, son, I never left you. I never forsook you. But those moments that you saw one, foot in, one set of footprints in the sand is the moments of your life that I picked you up and carried you. I never have left you. I never abandoned you. And I never will. That is God's heart for you and for I. So when we know that, why are we allowing fear to rule and reign in our life? How many of you this morning say, fear, you got to go. I'm not taking it anymore. I'm not allowing you into my home. I'm not allowing you into my situation. You can get out of my mind. In Jesus' name, I will live with the peace and power and self-control that the Spirit says I have. Amen? If you want that this morning, can you stand to your feet? Say, man, I want that spirit of freedom in my life. I don't even know what I need, but God knows what I need. So this morning, if you yield to the Spirit of God, He will give you what you need to be successful in life. Thank you, Lord. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and self-control. Can you say that with me? Can we pull that up? Say, uh, for God has not given me a spirit of fear. Say it one more time. Come on, deep down. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and self-control.
Thank you, Lord. Man. You know, there's moments in the presence of God that change your life. I remember moments in my life that changed everything. And I said, God, I want nothing else than your goodness and your presence and your peace. You know, it's moments where we don't want to leave. We just want to stay. We just want to linger. But there was a commission that God said, he says, now take what you have and go give it to the world. We could stay put and it would be great and it would be beneficial, but it would not advance the kingdom of God. Because he said, go into all the world, preach the good news, baptize those who come to the knowledge of Jesus in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go. The biggest things we care about in this church is knowing God. It's in growing. And then it's in going. I'll tell you what, if you go without Jesus, you ain't going to make it. But once you know them, you got to grow. And then once you grow, you figure out, I can't help but go. Because what I've been given is not necessarily just for my benefit, but for the benefit of the world around me. Amen. Um, Man, I know we had a powerful altar call, but if I'm going to invite the prayer team up, like right now, right now. This, This morning, if you say, Pastor, I really deal with fear. And I need that broken off of my life like today. I'm going to ask you to come out of your seat, come forward, and and I want these prayer teams to pray for you. It's going to be just that. Lord, I pray that fear would go. Now, I'll tell you what. If you don't know Jesus, and that's what's stirring the fear, you need to tell these people that so that you can get saved this morning. That you can put your faith in Jesus because he is the sustainer of our souls. He is the giver of all peace. But it's up to you. Anybody want prayer for freedom of fear? Come on. I ain't going to twist your arm. Wait just a moment. Don't get home tonight and say, I should have prayed for that peace thing because I got fear in my life. If you know you got an issue with it and you want freedom from fear in your life today, come on. the Bible talks about that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of choosing Jesus. So for those of you who know Jesus, power, love, and a sound mind. Don't settle for anything that does not meet that criteria. He has not given you a spirit of fear. Don't let it knock on your door. Don't let it on your doorstep. Remove it from your life. Because the spirit that's inside of you is a spirit of peace. Jesus actually said, my peace, I leave with you. Talking about the spirit inside of us. It changes everything. Let me, uh, 
before we go, I just want to pray over all of you guys corporately together that God would do whatever he wants to do in your life. Only he knows. But I believe there's going to be something significant about today. Significant about today. take a moment before I pray for you. Just tell God what you want. So you showed up to the door. How can I take your order? What do you have need of this morning? Let God know what you have need of. Oh, I thank you for your goodness. Now, Lord, I know that there are needs in this church. And Father, I thank you that when we ask according to your will, you withhold no good thing to those who love you and are called by your name. So Father, I ask for every request that is of a kingdom provision that it be released in this house today. Father, I pray that even if there's doubt, Father, that you still give. Lord, you meet us right where we're at. So Father, I pray that as words were spoken in regards to the needs that they have, that it'd be released today in this house. God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your provision. I thank you for your plan. And Father, I pray that today, God, that you would open up those gracious gifts of heaven and release them to your people today. Lord, I thank you for your plans. I thank you for your freedom. And Father, I thank you that today, fear, it has to go. It cannot dwell in a heart that knows Jesus. You know, there's moments that God's presence will just mess you up. Thrive in that. Stay in that. And rest in that. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.